Now we give a very warm welcome to everyone to public worship today, both those in the building here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise from Psalm number 1. That's found on page 200 of uh, the Psalter, Psalm 1, at, uh, at the beginning of the, uh, the song. <coughs> that man hath perfect blessedness, who walketh not astray in counsel of ungodly men, nor stands in sinners' way, nor sitteth in the scorner's chair, but placeth his delight upon God's law and meditates and his law uh, day and night. Let's sing the whole song to God's praise, Psalm 1, that man hath perfect blessedness.
Now let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, as we sing these songs, help us to stop and to ponder the truths that are contained within them. We realize that that song divides the whole world this day into two distinct groups, the righteous and the wicked. Not that any one of themselves can change themselves from being wicked to being righteous, but we can through what you have done for us if we believe in you. And we thank you that at this time of year the minds of many are focused on a birth in Bethlehem 2,022 years ago. We pray that we would stop and think about it. And we would ask ourselves, why is Emmanuel in our midst? We pray, O Lord, that you would remember us this day as we gather here. Because even although this is the one day in seven set aside for the routine of everyday work lives, so that we can engage in private and in public worship, we are not left alone by the enemy of our souls. Remember those who are struggling, perhaps even at this very moment in this very building, with the enemy accusing in so many ways. We realize that that is one of his titles, the accuser of the brethren. But may we remind ourselves of this, that in Christ we have all our sins uh, cleansed. We have the penalty paid for them. The ransom has been completed. May we remember that Christ's coming into this world was part of a great transaction whereby he blotted out all the iniquities of those who trusted in him and who still do trust in him. We thank you this day for the sound of little voices in our midst. They are gifts given to us by you. Remember those who would have loved to have had such gifts, but uh, that's not the way life has gone for them. O oh Lord, O oh God, we acknowledge that there are many mysteries in life, but we pray whatever our situation is this day, that we would come to you and unburden our souls at your footstool. We need you. Every moment of every living day, we need you. Your word tells us that in you we live and move and have our being. We ask you to forgive us for the days that we have completely forgotten that and we have grown a spirit of independence and even of arrogance. Please forgive us for these things. And as we come to a time of year when families gather together, we pray for those who are dreading it. We pray for those who will feel the angst of an empty place. O oh Lord, our God, our prayer is this, that we as family units will commit to you so that in life and in death and in eternity we are all safe in the arms of the Saviour. Be with us, we pray. And remember those who are laid aside in various ways 
May the end result of the affliction be to draw them closer under the shadow of the wing of Jesus of Nazareth. We pray for James Sims as he takes the evening service. May he know the liberty of your spirit in preaching the gospel and may we hear with joy afresh your word being preached. We remember this day the family of the late Reverend John Angus Gillis. We thank you for all the memories we have of him. We thank you for the example he set in life's journey. A great man has been taken from us. For whom it is far better, we are all the poorer for his passing. But we pray that we would all pass in a similar way, with our hand in the hand of Jesus the Saviour. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if I can speak to the young people just for a moment, I want to say something about some of the names of Jesus today. One of the names I spoke about last week was Emmanuel. And you'll remember that the meaning of that name was God with us. And I've said often from this pulpit that Jesus has lots of different names. For example, sometimes he's called the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the word Lord just means he's the master. He's the master of this universe. And uh, the word Christ means anointed. In Old Testament times, when the kings were going to be made king, one of the priests would take a jar of oil and the jar of oil would be poured over the head of the person who was going to be made the king. And that was a symbolic way of saying this person's going to be set aside for a particular job. And of course the job they were being set beside, aside for was to be the king of, uh, the king of Israel. And when we talk about Jesus being the Christ he was set aside for a particular role as well. And of course, his role is to be Jesus. And we all know the meaning of the word Jesus. In one word, it means saviour. But that creates another question in our minds. What kind of saviour is he? And the Christmas story tells us this. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. But in order for him to save his people from their sins, something astonishing has to happen. And the something astonishing happened 2,022 years ago in the stable in Bethlehem. Remember the name Emmanuel? God with us. And we think, what on earth is God with us for? Why on earth would God do that? And God has done it in order to cleanse us from our sins. And I want us to remember this. Because God was Emmanuel, God came down, lived on this planet for 33 years amongst us, died and then went back to heaven. Because God was Emmanuel, we, us, can go to heaven to be with this God. So it's God coming from heaven to this world so that we in this world can leave this world and go to heaven. Remember, that is why he was called Emmanuel. 
He was God amongst us, God with us, so that we in turn can forever be with him. And I do hope that we are all trusting in Jesus as our Savior today, that we are trusting him as our Lord and Master, that we know that he was anointed to do a very particular work, and that he was indeed Emmanuel, God with us. Let's sing again to God's praise. This time it's in um, Psalm number Uh, Psalm number 34 Psalm number 34 and it's at verse 17 that's page 248 of the Psalter the righteous cry unto the Lord he unto them gives ear and the air of their troubles all by him delivered are the Lord is ever nigh to them that be of broken spirit to them he safety doth afford that are in heart a contrite. We'll sing verses 17 to 22 of Psalm 34. The righteous cry unto the Lord.
Now let's read God's word as we find it in the Gospel according to St. Matthew and at chapter 1. Matthew's Gospel chapter 1 and we'll read at the beginning of the chapter the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez the father of Hezron and Hezron the father of Ram and Ram the father of Amminadab and Amminadab the father of Nashon and Nashon the father of Salmon and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth and Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of David the king and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah and Solomon the father of Rehoboam and Rehoboam the father of Abijah and Abijah the father of Asaph and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram and Joram the father of Uzziah and Uzziah the father of Jotham and Jotham the father of Ahaz and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh and Manasseh the father of Amos and Amos the father of Josiah and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, and Abihud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azar, and Azar the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins all this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken all this took place to fulfill what the lord had spoken by the prophet behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel 
which means God with us. And Joseph woke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name eh, Jesus. Amen. And may God bless to us that uh, reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's uh, pray. O Lord, our God, we pray that as we turn to your word to explore it afresh today, that you would help us. It is so easy to be distracted even when we are exploring your word. But we realize that this is a veritable battle zone. That the enemy of our soul does not leave us alone for long. And we pray that as we explore these things this day, we would glean from the word of God that which would build us up and enable us to respond to his attacks, standing firm in the finished work of Jesus. There are days when he highlights our waywardness and our sins. And there are days when he tries to convince us that we are beyond the pale and we have made mistakes. But may we remember where there is a struggle of a consciousness of sin in the life of a believer. It is there because they are indeed regenerated. They are living spiritual beings, but still plagued with the old man. May we remind ourselves of these things, and may we remind ourselves that this is the Christ, who when he begins a good work does not leave it, Stranded, but brings it to fruition. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. May we remember these things and may you help us this day, those of us who are here, those who may be listening online, be a blessing to us. Enable us to bow the knee before you. May we feed our souls on the fat things of your word afresh this day. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise in Psalm number 63, page 295 of the Psalter. At the beginning of the song, Lord, thee my God, I'll early seek my soul to thirst for thee. My flesh longs in a dry parched land, wherein no waters be, that I thy power may behold and brightness of thy face, as I have seen thee heretofore within thy holy place. We'll sing down to the end of the verse marked 8. Lord, thee my God, I'll early seek.
turn to the chapter that we've read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and we'll read again at verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this uh, area of uh, scripture we're following on from previous sermons on this area of scripture Joseph is betrothed to Mary Mary is with child Joseph thinks that Mary has been unfaithful to him he's in a dilemma and his plan is to uh, divorce Mary but God speaks to Joseph in a dream and reveals to him that this miracle of the virgin birth has taken place. And uh, these words are conveyed to him. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now we have been reading this genealogy for the last few weeks and sometimes people will come to a genealogy like this and they will just just rush over it. There's a whole lot of names that I can't pronounce and just set it aside. But we mustn't do that. Because Matthew here is giving us the genealogy of Jesus. He's writing to Jewish people. And that's why he brings it back to Abraham. Because remember, Abraham lived in southern Iraq and he got the call of God. And God said to him, leave Iraq, leave out of the Chaldeans and I'll take you to a land that I will show you. I'll be your God, you'll be my person. And of course, Abraham had options. He could say to God, no. Or he can say yes. And Abraham did say yes. And God said, I'm going to bless you. Your seed, your children are going to be as multiple. They're going to be a great multitude. As many as the stars of the heaven. As many of the sand on the seashore. And also, there's going to be a very special child amongst all the ch- children I'm going to gift you, gift you with. And of course, that child was none other than Jesus himself. And remember... Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac is the father of Jacob. Jacob's name is changed by God to Israel. And the children of Israel are the people from whom this special child will come. And it was very, very important for the Jewish people, the children of Israel, uh, to to keep a genealogy because the land that was apportioned them stayed within the family but in order to do that you needed to have good records and uh, of course there were uh, the Jewish people kept very good records of uh, who they were and what bits of land uh, belonged uh, to them but not only did the Jewish people get the land of Israel and apportioned out to them they were told that they were the covenant people 
and they were told that this special child would come from amongst them. And here is Matthew, and he's wanting to convince his own people, this is the special one, this is the, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ. But it's important for us to pick up on this, that um, in this genealogy, in verse 16 it says this, And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. Now we might just skip that bit. But that bit is telling us that Mary is the biological mother of Jesus. It's also telling us that Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. He is the legal, he will be the legal father of Jesus. He's not uh, the biological. Now there's another genealogy of Jesus in, given to us by Dr. Luke in his gospel. And interestingly, he doesn't go back as far as Abraham. He goes back further. He goes back to Adam himself. And there's a reason for these two different genealogies. This genealogy of Matthew is telling us this. That Jesus is the Son of God. Or to put it another way, Jesus is Emmanuel. Luke's Gospel is telling us that Jesus goes back to being a son of Adam. So he's the son of man and he is the son of God. Now you have to ask yourself this question. Why on earth would God come down into this planet? Why on earth would he do that? That is a stupendous miracle. But like every one of the miracles that Jesus ever performed, they were done with an objective in view. And the objective in view was this, to stimulate our minds and get us to be asking questions. What is this all about? This is so different. This is so unique. This stands out so, so much. And the whole drive is for us to search it out and to find the truth behind what is going on because we are here this day not because we are superior to other people not because we have made the grade or anything like that we are here this day because God has done something about the plight of the human race and he's come to the aid of the human race now he hasn't You know, God is sovereign and he does what he does. But he also treats us as people who are responsible moral agents. And just as Abraham, these 4,000 years ago, could have said to God, No, I've got my gods. I'll do it my own way. He, he had that option. So today the human race has that option of saying, I'll do it my own way. I've got my gods. I've got my religion. You know, we live in a very, we live in a very chaotic world, and we live in a very sad world. But we live in a very religious world. There are just so many religions all over the place. And sometimes you stop and you think, well, no wonder people get confused. No wonder they do. But we have the option. That's what I'm driving at. We can listen to this one great living and true God or we can do our own thing. 
And that's what all these religions, all these other religions are. They are men and women conjuring up their own religious ritual and beliefs. This is a revelation. This has come from the one great living and uh, a true God. And so yes, he's Emmanuel. Yes, one genealogy tells us he's the son of God. And another genealogy tells us that he's the son of man. That he, uh, he is both of these things come together. But you ask this question, what on earth for? Well, he tells us, Matthew tells us, or at least God tells us. Matthew's got it recorded for us. Call his name Jesus. And we know what the name Jesus means. It means saviour. But we ask the question, what kind of saviour is he? He shall save his people from their sins. Now we go to our shorter catechism, and our shorter catechism reminds us that sin is any want of conformity unto our transgression of the law of God. So it's when we don't do what we're meant to do, and we do what we're not meant to do. But let's remember this. It's not just the things we do. It's not just the deeds that we engage in. It's more than that. It's the words we utter. And it's even more than that. It's the thoughts that we entertain. So sin is when we do something that's wrong. It's when we say something that's wrong. And it's when we think something that's uh, wrong. Now let's remember this. We were exploring at the prayer meeting recently Psalm uh, 19. And Psalm 19 uh, gives us, first of all, a block on the special revelation God gives to the human race. And everybody's got that. Everybody in this planet knows of God at one level. He's made us in such a way that when we see the mountains, the sea, the birds, the animals, something in us clicks and we know he's there. Whether we want him to be there or not, that's a different question. Because many people's way of dealing with that knowledge is, no, 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 I've got to obliterate this God. Because if this God exists, I'm in trouble. And so my way of dealing with it is just obliterate him. We have that knowledge whether we want it or not. But then there's a block in Psalm 19 and it's about the special revelation God has given to us. And the special revelation is what's contained within the pages of, uh, of Scripture. The creation around us will not tell us how to be saved from our sins. The special revelation God has given to us will tell us how to be saved from, uh, from, our, from our sins. And it's so important. And if you look at Psalm 19, it then goes on. The psalmist then often considered the general revelation God gives everybody and the special revelation. He, he, he reflects on his own sinfulness. And he said, Preserve me from my secret sins. <coughs> And preserve me from my outright and open and arrogant sins. And I think we all know something of both these kinds of sins. You see, sins on a spectrum. And some sin is very, very hidden. 
Another sin that's just so out and open and bold and determined. And this, the psalmist knows about that whole spectrum. But you know the way he ends the song? He ends the song by saying this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now what's that telling you? Well, it's telling us this. He wants to get the words of his mouth right. But it's not just the, the words of our mouths that are, that are generated from within. So are our deeds. Our deeds come from within. The things we do and the words we say come from within. And that's what he's wanting to get right before God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. And so here is this revelation, and it is call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And if we want to ask, well, how big, how enormous is sin? Here's the answer. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, why is God Emmanuel? Why is there this babe who's, who's called Emmanuel? What is that all about? You know, if it had been left to you or I to arrange the coming of the eternal God to this planet, we would have gone about it in a very, very different way. I think we would have got all the pomp and all the pageantry and everything of splendor tried to try to reflect something of who he is I mean how many how many babes do you know of that have been laying in a cattle truck how many babes do you know that were born in a barn or in a stable you think what is this all about because this is stooping of a momentous kind but you know, if we think of Bethlehem as being a stooping, Bethlehem at one level is only the beginning of the stooping because he has 33 years on this planet. Who, who, which, who among us, who among us would have had Emmanuel dying? That, that is hard to get your head round. We would never, ever, ever have dreamt that. We wouldn't have dared. And yes, we understand when the disciples are being told by, by Jesus, look, I'm going to leave you. No, 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 you're not. No, you're not. That be far from the Lord. And Jesus has to call a spade a spade to one of his best friends. Get thee behind me, Satan. We are operating at just a different level entirely here. What's it all about? It's all about the enormity of sin. That's what it is. It's all about the ugliness of sin. 
It's all about the extent of sin. It's all about the magnitude of sin. There is one way, and there is one way only, that your sin and my sin can be dealt with. And here it is. It's Emmanuel. It's God come in the flesh. It is God doing something whereby he will save his people from their sins. But what kind of world is it that this Christ has come into? Well, you know, I'm going to touch on something I touched at at the prayer meeting on Wednesday. This genealogy that Matthew has given us, in verse 2 it reads, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And so on and so forth. I'm just going to take three names. I'm going to say a little bit about Abraham. I'm going to say a little bit about Jacob. And I'm going to say a little bit about Judah. Just to remind us if we're needing any reminding. Of what kind of world this Christ came into. Because you will remember that Abraham was married to Sarai. And you will remember that Abraham was promised by God that he was going to have a son of promise. And this son would be the covenant child. But you will remember that Abraham waited year after year after year. And there was no sign of this child. And you will remember what Abraham did. He had an illicit relationship with Hagar his uh, Egyptian servant. Now it is not that Abraham did this of his own accord because Sarai was in on it as well. It was her idea. Hagar would have a child and this child would become Sarai's. That was the idea anyway. But it all went badly wrong. But the whole thing is off the ground on this basis. We can't, be, we can't wait on you, God. We need to do something about this. You promised us this. We, we'll, have to, we'll have to step in and we'll have to do something about it now. It's a fatal error. It is a fatal error to think that we have to step in to do God's work for him. What we have to do is to wait upon the Lord. And sometimes that's a very hard thing to do. Sometimes the waiting is something we just don't don't have the patience for and we get ourselves into all kinds of difficulties. Well, Abraham certainly, certainly did. You know, today in the building... The United Nations is housed in. There are more resolutions passed about the land of Israel than any other nation on earth. You think, how come? Because it's a contentious issue, the land of Israel, because since 1948 the Jews got it as their homeland. And that was because there was a great deal of sympathy around as a result of the Holocaust 
When Hitler tried to eliminate all the Jews from this planet, succeeded in killing six million of them. But when the world woke up to what was going on, this is part of the equation why they got the homeland in 1948. But the great problem ever since has been the Palestinian-Israeli or the Palestinian-Jewish problem. How do you sort it out? Well, I don't know how you sort it out, but I do know, or we do know, where it all began. We go back 4,000 years to this man, Abraham. And you'll remember that Abraham, when he was in difficulty, wasn't above telling a lie about who his wife was. Just to save his skin. The thing I'm saying is this. Abraham was the father of all believers. But Abraham got it seriously, seriously wrong. He sinned greatly in the face of tremendous blessing. He sinned greatly, not as a pre-converted man, but as a post-converted man. These are things he did as a believer. And then we come to his grandson Jacob. And Jacob's name is literally the deceiver, and he was a deceiver. He was just a rascal. Now I know he's the father of the... Of, 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 he's the one who will be called Israel. And we're told in scripture why he was called Israel. He wrestled with God and prevailed. And you think, how can a human being wrestle with God and prevail? Only because God allows that human being to prevail. It's the graciousness of God that is taking place there. But he did. In all his need... And in all his fears, he grappled and wrestled and he said to God, I will not let you go except you bless me. And God blessed him. But who did God bless? The man who deceived his own father, his own blind old father, pretending that he was his brother Esau. The deceiver. It's the deceiver who becomes Israel, who becomes the one who prevails, who wrestles with God and uh, prevails. And of course he was blessed with twelve sons. If we just take the son that's mentioned here, Judah, you'll remember that there's an area in Judah's life when he does something that is exceeding sordid. He goes into a woman that he thinks is a prostitute, but in actual fact, it's his own daughter-in-law undercover. And you think, this, this is getting embarrassing, this. This is getting embarrassing. This is full of shame. It's an embarrassing world. And it's a world full of shame that this Christ came into. This is his family tree. And you think, why would he have anything at all to do with a family tree like this? Well, here's the answer. He shall save his people from their sins. The enormity of sin is immeasurable. But the enormity of what God did in dealing with it is also immeasurable. And here we are this day. 
Here we are. And even as believers, we've botched up so much of our lives. Even as believers, we've allowed the old man to prevail to such an extent that at times the enemy of our souls comes whispering in our ears, you're lost, you're lost, you're not saved, you're not a believer, you're not the genuine article. And it's at times like these that we need to know the word of God because we can say to him, come, look at this. Look at the very first book of the New Testament. Look at the genealogy of Christ himself. What does it look like? It's full of embarrassment and it's full of shame. It's full of believing people making such a mess of their lives. You think, well, what's it all about? It's all about highlighting who this Jesus is. He shall save his people from their Sins, And of course I have to highlight the his people bit. Because there are many in this world who will say something along these lines. Yeah, we're all heading for heaven. We're all heading for heaven, you know. It is interesting. In, in almost 40 years of going to homes that... I've been bereft of loved ones. I have never ever been asked not to pray. Never. And I think I even told you the story of I used to visit somebody in this very village and I would talk to him about God and no, no. I don't believe in that stuff. I simply don't believe in that stuff. And we would talk about various things. But it always used to make me smile. Before I left the home he would say. Now you'll have a wee word. You think man. How does that work? How does that work? Well there's many things around us that confuse us. Yeah that's true. There are many things that confuse us. But what about his people? Does that mean everybody ends up in heaven? Well, clearly, that idea does not come from the word of God. There are some who go to the left and some who go to the right. There are some who are the sheep and there are some who are the goats. There are some who are destined for come ye blessed and others who are destined for depart from me. So who are his people? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That is what is crucial. You know, I remember somebody who sat at the Lord's table for the first time compelled to sit at the Lord's table for the first time simply because they believed that Jesus was who he was but sat at the Lord's table in fear and dread and in terror because that person didn't think they would last a fortnight as a Christian believers are not people who are spotlessly sinless in this world I'm a that's, that's the reality. 
That's the reality that scripture deals with. That's the kind of reality that this genealogy is all about. That's the kind of reality that this Savior is about. I'm not justifying sin. I'm not condoning it. I'm not excusing it for one second. But I want us to have a balanced view on this. Because the enemy of our souls has got us so low in the water so often that we're virtually ineffective. In a state of paralysis. We can only get out of that kind of state if we've got the ammunition to deal with them. Here it is. Here it is. Call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. May we rejoice afresh in that this day. And may we bow in worship and in adoration afresh once again. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank you for who you are and for what you have done. May we never ever forget it. And may we in the struggles of a chaotic sinful world turn heavenwards and breathe out our groanings to you because the psalmist could say Lord from the depths to thee I cried my voice Lord do thou hear but that very song ends with unplenteous redemption is ever found with him and from all his iniquities he Israel shall redeem and we thank you that that's the way it is Amen. Now let's conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 72. Psalm 72, and it's at verse 17, page 314 of the Psalter. His name forever shall endure, last like the sun it shall. Men shall be blessed in him, and blessed all nations shall him call. Verses 17 to 19 of Psalm 72, his name forever shall endure.
now may grace, mercy, and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with 